Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to a brand new episode of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Everyone, of course, has coronavirus on the brain, and everyone's thinking about the things that make this different than any other experience that we've ever had. And I'm excited about today's episode because what we are going to do, what I hope to do, is take a look at this from the perspective of how it's similar to other big crises like these that we have dealt with in the history of our country. That's right. uh, We're certainly practiced at responding to crises, whether or not we learn lessons from the past is probably a, a big question. We certainly could could learn a lot better. But there are institutions across the government just waiting for bad things to happen and to spring into action to help America respond and recover. The thing I think I'm the most excited about about our guest today is the fact that he created the Waffle House Index. Craig Fugates, the former administrator of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, Craig, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program today. What do you see similar in the response to COVID-19, and what do you see differently in the response to it from other emergencies that you've dealt with throughout your career? Well, first, thanks for having me on FedHeads. This is kind of like a highlight for me to be able to be on this show. So um, the difference between COVID-19 and other big disasters like a Katrina or a Loma Freighter earthquake, things like that, is pandemics are not geographically focused. If you think about our traditional model of responding to disasters, some part of the country gets hit hard, and we're able to move a lot of resources from the unimpacted areas. States can send resources, the federal government can move resources, the volunteer organizations can move resources, but a pandemic also, another type of disaster, some of this would be a, a cyber attack of national significance, would be hitting the whole country simultaneously. So you have to rethink how you're going to manage resources. The fact that a lot of your traditional ways of managing this, of moving a lot of resources quickly to that area, may not be possible. And as far back as 2009, uh, actually going back to President Bush number 43, was a lot of work was going into thinking about pandemics and then with H1N1, looking at how we would have to respond to that. So as far back as 2009, we'd actually looked at tools like the Stafford Act, how they would be applied in a disaster. And we actually had policy guidance out there about coordinating federal resources, how governors could ask for assistance, the role of the, the Stafford Act, and that FEMA would be a support agency. And again, we looked at this from the standpoint of Health and Human Services primarily being our lead federal agency on the disease, the impacts, the treatments, the protocols. And FEMA focused on the consequences of the impacts of that event on supply chain, resource requests, other disasters that don't stop because you're in the middle of a pandemic. And I think this is the thing for a lot of people, it's hard to wrap their heads around, is This is occurring pretty much throughout the country, very close together. We've seen it come through a wave, some areas being hit early and hit hard, other areas now starting to peak. And even back in 2009, we knew one of our best tools was gonna be social distancing. 
until you had vaccines and enough capability to vaccinate people. And unfortunately for what we're seeing now, this is really playing out over a much longer time frame than I think people realize. And so while we are going to be dealing with COVID-19 for some time, hurricane season starts in a couple of months. We've seen severe weather flooding across the country, uh, severe weather threats today, and disasters won't stop for the virus. But the virus will always be part of the responses for the foreseeable future until we have an effective vaccine and can vaccinate enough people to get this under control. So we haven't heard mention of the Stafford Act on the podcast today. Can you tell us a little bit about the features of that law and how it comes into play during a crisis like this? I'll tell you a little bit about Stafford Act. And and one of the reasons I think the Stafford Act was slow to be deployed for this event, and that is when Congress created the Stafford Act, they, uh, they broke it down into several categories. One was called emergency declarations, where the president could, at the request of a governor prior to something happening or as something was ongoing, declare an emergency and turn on uh, both funding and federal resources to try to manage and keep the event from becoming a disaster. And that never specified what would qualify as an emergency. So if a governor had an event where they were requesting federal resources, uh, protective measures and other things to keep it from becoming a disaster. The president could declare that and FEMA would coordinate both the federal resources, but also financial assistance. But that's limited. And many of the tools that we traditionally think about from FEMA and disasters requires what's called a major presidential disaster declaration. Well, the way that the Stafford Act is written, it does not enumerate types of disasters for an emergency but it does for a major presidential. It talks about floods, fires, hurricanes, and other types of events. It does not speak to pandemics. It doesn't speak to cyber attacks. And so the Congressional Research Service had done a report for Congress looking at Stafford Act ability in disasters for things like a pandemic. And the report basically said it was not clear that it could be used. It was also not clear that it couldn't be used uh, but the Congress should attempt to clarify that. Senator Collins has previously attempted to add pandemic to the definitions of a major disaster declaration under Stafford Act, but wasn't successful because her colleagues felt that this was going to be primarily the response of CDC and that the primary focus for funding and authority should be vested in the CDC and that adding it to FEMA's declarations would maybe confuse things. Uh, hopefully now that we're going through COVID-19, uh, that will change because if you think about what happened with the CARES Act, trying to address the sudden and rapid unemployment, uh, people losing their jobs, uh, people you know not able to, to buy food for their families, uh, some of the tools you could have done under a major presidential early on was declare disaster unemployment, which is really useful for uh, self-employed people who don't have traditional employment histories. They could have turned on disaster staff or the disaster food stamp program so you wouldn't have your normal qualification time frame before you could get help. Uh, so the Stafford Act uh, is really a, a mechanism that the federal government primarily can provide financial assistance to state and local governments for their extraordinary response. But under a major presidential can turn on programs not so much because of damage to structures but to disruptions to people's incomes and livelihoods uh, through those disaster unemployment and disaster assistance programs. 
What should one track during a response like this, Craig, so that one is collecting enough and and quality information to do a pretty comprehensive after-action report to understand what has to change for the next time? Well, uh, several people have called for it, and and I was part of an op-ed recommending that we have a 9-11-style commission to review this. And don't wait till we're done, but start early. A big reason for that is COVID-19 will not be over until we have a vaccine. And we need to not so much focus on, you know, pointing fingers or, as somebody said, a wish hunt, but really focus on what worked, what didn't work, and what changes do we need to make from legislation to how we handle this. Because, unfortunately, we will probably see additional waves of COVID-19 until we have a vaccine, and we will most likely have future pandemics. So like the 9-11 Commission, we need to look at our structures, our policies, our legislation, uh, and make decisions based upon what we can do better next time. And next time may be much sooner than we think until we have a vaccine. You mentioned that, like a pandemic, a cyber attack would have no geographical barriers either. Uh, Do you see this as helping us prepare, prepare for that kind of thing? or our blinders going to be on and we're going to be thinking of the next pandemic? Well, I'm hoping that people are understanding that when you have a non-geographically focused crisis, that it's going to stretch your response when you're dealing with all the state's territories and federally recognized tribes simultaneously. And again, I think FEMA's role is not the chief cyber agency. We have agencies that are involved in that but looking at the consequences of a significant event, such as taking down banking systems or taking down the power grid and the consequences that could happen in the aftermath of that. You know, just like we've seen with the huge displacement of workforce because of the furloughs and layoffs because of all the activities in the stock, we could see similar things if there was an attack on the financial systems and having to provide safety net programs quickly for people so that they could get resources to take care of themselves and their families. So, again, I, I've always based you know, FEMA upon not so much the original event, but the consequences of that event and the fact that two of these events that uh, we're dealing with one right now, we've definitely heard a lot about the potential for you know, cyber attacks of a national significance, is the Stafford Act is silent to those in a major disaster uh, framework. And it may leave us delays like we saw with the current response to COVID-19 before a lot of these programs got turned on. As it is, the president's been declaring major disaster declarations for governors requesting assistance under the Stafford Act. But I think if we had it clearly enumerated, it would in the future be a much faster process. It would have given Congress an ability to get that done first and then shape the CARES Act around what the gaps would be versus trying to create new programs on the fly and implement them when the demand was increasing exponentially. We're almost out of time, Craig. Is there anything about this that you've observed that we should know about that we haven't had a chance to cover yet in this conversation? Well, I'm getting concerned that I'm hearing a lot of talk about flattening the curve or we're peaking as if this is the end. It's not. Uh, Until there's a vaccine, COVID-19 is still out there. All we're doing is slowing it down. I like to tell people, think of a house fire. It's just burning slower. But if we let up social distancing, if we let up the protective measures, it will flare back up. And until we are able to put the fire out with a vaccine, 
we need to slow it down to save as much of our communities and as much of the population as possible. And unfortunately, it is occurring at the expense of businesses, small businesses, and our economy. Uh, but we don't really have good options if we're going to flatten the curve and keep this manageable. And if we let up too soon, I'm afraid it will blow back up on us. And, and again, we've already seen the challenges of what happens in some of the urban communities that were hit by this early. Uh, they implemented social distancing, but it took couple weeks to actually start seeing those results in the, in the ERs and the hospitals. Craig Fugate, thanks very much for joining us. You have a terrific record of experience and success dealing with these kinds of things. It's wonderful to hear your insight about this. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.